Good morning, Eastside. Take your Bibles and turn this morning to John chapter Joshua. No, I'm just all flustered. Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. And as you're going there, Lauren, let's go back to that slide. That's my fault for confusing you. Um, want to let you know of a very important aspect of our worship assembly, and that's the offering that we bring to the Lord every Sunday. It's, it's a great expression of worship, and we've made it possible for you to do this in four different ways. You can mail a check to our church address. You can give an automatic draft through your bank. You can go online to our website, and just there's a little box on the homepage that says give. Click that. Follow these instructions. Or if you're here in person, you can drop your contribution off at the box that's right there on the table. And if you are not here in person, we are honored and we are humbled absolutely to have you with us this morning live streaming. Uh, it's delight, delight that you took time to be with us. So today we're going straight into our story we're continuing in the story. It's a story of Joshua and the Israelites. When we say the word Israelites, we're just talking about God's people. And it's a story of God's people in the Old Testament. And we're learning a lot of life lessons from them. And we're learning how the stories in the Old Testament are all reflecting and pointing towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. So rather than reading the whole story to you this morning, which was my original plan, I'm going to let you do that in your life groups or on your own. And if you're not in life group, I would love for you to get in a life group. That's where the heartbeat of church is happening. This morning, I'm just going to tell you the story. It's an amazing story here in chapter 10. As we saw last week, the Israelites are on this big conquest of the land of Canaan and they, it's their battles that are at play now and, and they have defeated their first two very decisive victories the city of Jericho and the city of Ai. We've talked about that. And so now all of these surrounding countries are, are kingdoms or you might even call them city-states. They've been observing this and so they're getting a little nervous because they're figuring they're next in line to be attacked. And so here chapter 10 opens up and it tells us about one of these kings with his kingdoms that's observing the Israelites and thinking, man, we need to do something about this. Now it says that he's, his name is Ad. Adonai Zedek. Adonai Zedek. He's the king of Jerusalem. Now don't let this fool you because Jerusalem at this time was, was not inhabited. We know that it's like the holy city. It was not holy at this point. It was inhabited by a pagan king and his people, which is very unusual because this king named Adonai Zedek, his name is a Hebrew name, meaning Lord of righteousness. So that's kind of interesting. Where in the world does this pagan Canaanite get a, a, a Hebrew name? I don't know how that happened, but he's soon to learn that he is anything but the Lord of righteousness. It says, as you read in this story in chapter 10 and verse 2, that Adonai Zedek feared greatly. And I want you to notice that. This, is, this comes up again and again and again. The enemy that the Israelites are up against are constantly afraid. And I think that's ironic because the enemy that we face, the enemy that we fear, whatever bullies that come against us, often they come against us because they're afraid of us. 
and they're threatened by us. Those whom we fear often fear us. We're going to see that next week. God's people are a people to be feared. It's, 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 an, interest, it's an interesting thought. So this guy, Adonai Zedek, it says he was greatly frightened because not only did he see the Israelites as, wow, they are tough, they're a formidable foe, but now he's seen how, as we saw last week, they have made an alliance with the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites, they were tough also, so now the Israelites and the Gibeonites are coming together and Adonai Zedek thinks, man, I'm next in line, I need to do something. And so he contacts four other kings who are basically kings of these other city-states and he calls them to, to form a, a coalition of city-states or a, a coalition, a, a unified group of kingdoms to attack the Gibeonites, to weaken this alliance that's come into the land of Canaan. And so they attack the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites look around and they realize, man, the, the, um, we're, we're far outnumbered. And so they cry out to Joshua and the Israelites for help because they were also allies. So this is kind of like something like the, the NATO alliance where you have all these countries uh, that formed an alliance and if one NATO country gets attacked, then it's like attacking all of the NATO countries. That's one of the reasons. And so the, all the NATO countries come in and fight with them for this one country. That's one of the reasons why all the NATO countries have kind of been hesitant about pulling Ukraine into NATO because they're not really keen on taking Russia on in what would probably be a World War III. But here in this story, the Gibeonite says, Israelites, we're allies. We need you to come and join with us in this battle. And so we read that Joshua marched up with the Israelite soldiers and he went from Gilgal. You'll read this in your groups or on your own. Now, do you remember Gilgal? This is the, we talked about this earlier. It comes up again and again and again in the book of Joshua. The Israelites' base camp was Gilgal. It was on the western shore of the Jordan River. And this is the place after they crossed the Jordan River that they took 12 stones. Remember, we built the 12 stones here. They set those 12 stones right there in Gilgal and stacked them up. And every day they would go out to battle. And every day they would come back in the evening. They would see those stones. And that would remind them of the incredible work that God had done in getting them across the Jordan River. And that gave them courage to step out for the next day. And so Joshua gathers together his best fighting men at Gilgal. They're going to help the Gibeonites who are being attacked by this coalition of city-states. And we read in verse 8, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. If there's one repetitive phrase you want to hear from Joshua, do not fear. And then we have another repetitive thought here. He says, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand not one of them will be able to withstand you and so again here we see that before they ever went out the door to face the battle God says it's already yours you have the victory you just have to take it and so you put these two things together as the Israelites got out to go help the Gibeonites in this battle they saw in Gilgal this stone memorial they're reminding them of what God had done in the past. They had a promise from God 
that God would go with them, that God had already given them the victory. And so with fearless courage, they set out from Gilgal. And we we read that they marched all night and they took the enemy by surprise. Now, let me give you a little bit of geography. So we see that the Israelites went from Gilgal to Gibeon. That's about a 25-mile distance, about a 25-mile march. And the text says in the ESV, they went up. Other translations say they ascended to Gibeon. That's because there's about a 4,000-foot elevation from Gilgal to Gibeon. Now, I'm not an expert climber of mountains here in Colorado, but it is my understanding that the average climb of a 14er here in Colorado, give or take a few, depending upon the mountain, is basically about 4,000 feet of an elevation gain. And for me, that's an incredible, incredible hike. You're worn out when you're finished with it. So imagine you've got these Israelites, they've been marching all night, likely have not slept, how could they have, for 25 miles, working their way uphill, 4,000 feet. And instead of first saying, okay guys, let's get a little bit of R&R before we go to battle, as soon as they get there, they take the enemy by surprise and go straight into battle. In their weakness, in their weariness, God is there with them. God is their strength. But it's not just that God is there watching. It's not just that God is there, here's some strength to help you out. Here's some wisdom that to guide you on the way. God is by their side, as he's already promised in Joshua, fighting with them, fighting for them. And this is really interesting. I don't know how he's doing it. But we read in verses 10 through 11, it says, The Lord threw the enemy into confusion before Israel. And then it says in verse 11, The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. That's quite fascinating. But truthfully, if you live in Colorado... We understand this. We understand large hail. We understand deadly hail. And we understand that it can, hail can hit six houses over or this neighborhood here and in some way not this neighborhood. We had a hail storm in our neighborhood not long ago and Joel and Taylor Hart, they got hit, their car got pummeled. Nothing touched our house. They must not be doing something right in their lives. (laughs) And they're not in here this morning. They're doing junior worship. You don't come to church, you get made fun of, all right? So this is what's going on. God is hurling. God's fighting with them. And yeah, like if you were to picture it, is he just tossing hailstones down? So it's hailing, and you've got the Israelites fighting with, the, with this coalition of, of city-states with the Gibeonites, and somehow the hail is hitting the enemy, but it's missing the Israelites. Like God's aim is incredible. It's like these smart bombs we see that can hit their target with precision accuracy. And I think it's also noteworthy that you see something throughout Scripture that we see here in this story. This is God's punishment 
upon a sinful people. That's what's at play here. And there's many ways. God is very diverse in his ways. There's many ways God chooses to bring about punishment here. We often see he uses people to carry out his punishment upon sin. He's doing that with the Israelites here against these people. But also, he at times, as we see here through a hailstorm, he uses a natural calamity. Now, it's verse 12. This is where I want to lean into the story. I just want to kind of tell you the story to set the stage for where we're going now. Verse 12, please read with me. Chapter 10 of Joshua. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ayalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being, or I like the way it says in the ESV, a day when the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. You are not alone in whatever battle you're facing. God is by your side, not watching. He fights with you. He fights for you. I love that. That gives me courage. Verse 14 Then Joshua returned with all the Israelites to the camp of Gilgal. Remember, that's their base camp. So you might could say this is the original daylight saving time. And there'll be critics that will read this and they will say, I told you there is no God and I told you the Bible's not from God. Look at the inaccuracy that is there. See, look, it says sun stands still and the sun stopped in the middle of the sky. But everybody knows science has proven that the sun doesn't move. Well, you have to understand the language. This is figurative, descriptive Speech. We use it today. You look at your, your cell phones. If you have the weather app, open it, and it's going to talk about the sun rising and the sun setting. And we know it's not moving. This is, this is how we speak. This is how they were speaking there. But now listen, this was an incredible miracle. And what really impresses me is what it was that prompted this miracle. Have you ever said, man, I wish if I just had a few more hours in the day? Well, that's what's going on here. Joshua and the Israelites are at battle. And Joshua's thinking, man, I just need some more time. I just, I just need a few more hours in the day. I need more daylight. So he asked God for it. And God gave it to him. And so the theme that we've chosen for our series in Joshua is fearless. And so what I want us to see this morning is what I'm calling fearless prayers. Learning to pray fearless prayers. I'm going to give you six 
get my fingers right, six characteristics of fearless prayers. We cannot talk enough about prayer. First of all, fearless prayers are prayers asking God to do the impossible. Fearless prayers ask God to do what we could never do. Why in the world would you ever pray for this? Everybody knows that kind of thing just doesn't happen. Cancer just doesn't disappear. Sick people just don't get well like that. Debt just doesn't go away. Pray all you want. Addicts never change. You can't just expect me to forgive someone and trust them. That just can't happen. Pray all you want. That marriage is too far gone. It is far too late. Storms just don't cease. Seas just don't part. Blind people just don't all of a sudden see. The sun doesn't just stand still. But it did. (laughs) It did. You might be surprised what God would do if you pray a fearless prayer asking God to do what you could never do. Secondly, and these just tie into one another, Fearless prayers are also prayers that are prayed. And you might say, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. That's pretty, why I state something that's so clear. But let me explain. I think that some of us have such huge, insurmountable issues in our lives. And they've been around for so long. That's just the status quo of life for us. And we've accepted this is the way it is This is the way it's always going to be. There's nothing I can do about this. It's nothing that I could even pray for. Because it won't do any good. And I wonder, are there things that God would do in your life, but he doesn't because you don't ask? Because you figured, what good would it do? And I wondered what would have happened if Joshua had not have prayed this prayer. God, I need some time here. What would have happened had God not have answered that prayer? Would they have lost this battle? I don't know. But I know this. Joshua asked for what was just outrageous. And it says in verse 14, the Lord heeded the voice of a man but he first had to ask and in our battle in spiritual warfare read Ephesians chapter 6 we're told that one of the primary ways we fight and one of the ways that God fights for us and with us is when we pray at all times I wonder what would and could happen if we would only ask Fearless prayers 
are asking God, prayers that ask God to do the impossible. They're prayers that are prayed. And then thirdly, fearless prayers, I learned from this story, are prayers that are prayed with confidence. I think it's interesting. It says that Joshua spoke to the Lord, and then he turned and he looked at the sun, he looked at the moon, and he spoke to them. Prayers that are prayed with confidence. He's not asking them. He is commanding them. This is boldness in prayer. This is confidence in prayer. In the world's eyes, this is absolutely nonsense and crazy. Would you look at him? He's talking to the moon and the sun. But what actually happened is the moon and the sun obeyed him. Jesus teaches us the same thing. He says, you speak to that mountain that's in your life. And you say to that mountain, be moved into the sea. prayer of confidence but there in that context in the new testament jesus is teaching about having faith when we pray and that's the next characteristic we see about fearless prayers here in joshua 10 fearless prayers are prayers number four that are prayed with faith there are prayers that believe if god has promised it then i believe it Twice in this chapter, multiple times in this book, but twice in this chapter, God says in verse 9, I've given them into your hands. That was before they ever went to fight. In verse 12, the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. God had given it to them already, but they had to ask as an expression of faith in prayer. I wondered as I studied this, are there things that God has given me that I don't yet have because I've simply never asked? But they're given. Well, here's where the problem comes in. What if you ask and it doesn't happen? What if you say, sun and moon stand still? What if it hadn't of stood still? Then Joshua's going to look really stupid. What if I pray with confidence and faith for something, as some of us are doing, but it's not happening? Like, something wrong with me? Something wrong with my prayer? Am I not saying it correctly? Am I not saying it enough? Is there something wrong with my faith? I've been praying 20 years for a red Corvette. I still don't have it. I even speak to it like the Bible teaches right here. Red Corvette, I proclaimeth yea unto thee. Come ye hither unto me. You know, some of us just think, man, if you can pray in, in 400-year-old King James language, then God's going to go, oh, wait. Give him the answer to that prayer. Why is it God hasn't answered my prayer even when I pray it in the King James? Maybe he has. Maybe he just didn't answer it the way I wanted him to because he knows better than I do what's best for me. And so that's where faith in this point, number four, it comes in. It's trusting God, trusting his will, trusting his understanding, and trusting his purpose beyond my will 
and my purpose. That's how Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done. That's how Jesus' example teaches us to pray when he was facing crucifixion. Not my will, but yours be done. I can't ex- fully explain how God is working in our lives and in my life and the way that he answers prayer. I understand it's a prayer that must be prayed by faith. Trusting him and trusting his will. And in this story, we also see that fearless prayers, number five, are prayers that are accompanied by obedient actions. Did you notice that Joshua prayed this prayer while he was on the battlefield? It wasn't on his bedroom, in his bedroom, on the floor, on his knees. It was prayed on the battlefield. He stepped out with obedient action to what he could do, and at the same time, he asked God to do what he himself could never do. Fearless prayers, praying fearless prayers of faith, it doesn't eliminate your effort, but it accompanies your effort. They work side by side. And that's important because there's probably at play right now two mistaken extremes in this area that are some, there are some of us who've been praying for 20 years, for 10 years, for 30 years for something to happen that God would please work and move in the situation, but that individual has yet to work and move themselves. Could that be you? And then there are others who are working and acting and doing everything they can to face the situation and the difficult circumstance in their life, but God is nowhere to be seen or heard in their prayer life, fully on their own strength, fully for themselves. Is that you? You know, whenever there are these mass shootings in our nation, we often hear, almost always hear many people say, Our thoughts and prayers are with the victims and their families. To which we often hear people say, I am sick and tired of your thoughts and prayers. We don't need thoughts and prayers. We need action. Well, I agree. We do need action. And the big rub in that conflict is deciding or determining what is the appropriate action to take. We need action, but man, without a doubt, with the gun violence we see in our nation, we need fearless prayers of crying out to God to do what we evidently can't do in ourselves. We need both. That's what this story shows us. Fearless prayers, praying fearless prayers and stepping out in action with fearless courage. And then finally in this story, We learn that fearless prayers are prayers that are prayed for others. I think it's significant to note that Joshua and the Israelites marched 25 miles up 4,000 feet of elevation all night without sleep. But it wasn't for themselves. It was for the Gibeonites. Joshua's prayer here was regarding a battle he was fighting for someone else. 
But see, Joshua understood what we saw last week. He had entered into a covenant with the Gibeonites. And that brought the Gibeonites into the community of Israel. And so that meant that the battle of the Gibeonites was also his, his battle. You see, it's one thing for me to be fearless for myself and pray fearless prayers for myself or fearless actions or, or for my family, but it takes it to a whole other level of courage when it's for someone else. And so as, as we close and we move from lessons learned from a story long ago to an application of these lessons here and now. I want us to close praying together fearless prayers. I don't know if there is a more timely moment for this story and its lessons for our church than right now. Honestly, there's some stuff going on in people's lives. I'm, I'm aware of a lot of it. and Some of it I'm not aware of. There are many of us here that are standing before impossible situations that make asking the sun to stand still, they make it look easy. So I want to ask you, what are fearless prayers you need to pray today? What are courageous actions you need to take along with those prayers? And listen, a lot of us are going through some stuff. If you are, you are not alone in that battle. This battle is not yours. This battle is ours. And as the Gibeonites were humble enough to cry out to Joshua and the Israelites and say, please come to our side. I want to encourage you as, as we enter in this time, reach out to someone and say, would you come to my side right now and stand with me and pray with me? Who is someone in our church family that you know that's standing before an impossible situation and they really need you right now to sacrificially come to their side and fight with them and stand with them and pray with them. Look, I'm, I'm not asking you to hike 25 miles up 4,000 feet of elevation game all night without sleep. I know it's kind of awkward, but would you, would you leave where you're going to be standing in a moment and step out of your place and go stand with someone and pray with them and offer your support. And if you say, well, Eddie, that person I'm thinking of isn't here today, then pray for them in this moment. Call them and pray with them or go see them after the service. So church, let's stand. And we're going to offer our fearless prayers to God. And in a, in a particular special way, um, I want to encourage you, our shepherds are here, there are other people who will pray with you. 
We often, we always see our, our teen group gather over here, but teen group who gathers over here, we're going to do something added to what you do. See, Kevin's not here, so I'm going to take charge. Our sixth graders from PPCS are going tomorrow, Tuesday, on a camp out. And we want to lift them up to God that this will be a life-changing experience for them. These are the kids that are going to be going. If, if I have it correctly, it's going to be Jaden, Caroline, Ben, Alex, John, Ashlyn, and Gabby. If I missed your name in that group, I'm going to ask that you leave where you are. Your parents go with you. Let's gather here in a circle. The rest of the teens gather with them. And Michaela and Mike Lopez are going to pray over those kids. Let's pray together. Lord, years ago, the disciples said to you, teach us to pray. And so, Father, we ask, teach us to pray fearless prayers. May today be different, Lord. May today be a day like there has never been before or since, a day when the Lord heeded the voice of a human being, a day when you hear and respond to the prayers that we bring before you now. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.